All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Tell me a story, Dr. Jack. <laughs> well, my name's Isaac, but I will tell you a story uh, that Dr. Iker Jack would approve of. And I'm going to tell this story to my friend and co-host here, Mr. John. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for that. No, that was beautiful. What I was going to keep going, but... Anyway. Oh, no. No, keep rock. No, continue. <laughs> it's done run now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't know I was ruining such prophetic words. Exactly. <laughs> From the mouths of babes. Are you calling yourself a babe? No. No, I, I'm a babe. Yeah. Hey, babe. What up? That's what I say in the morning in the mirror. <laughs> a little disgusting slice of life. <laughs> what is that disgusting for? Um, no reason. By the way, John, right now you're... John right now is smoking from a pipe, making this, uh, really giving me some flashbacks to my grandpa. Oh, I thought you were going to come out with some eggs or something. You want some? No, I'm good. Thanks, so. She was shocked and dismayed. <laughs> I was very dismayed when um, someone tried to shoot me. It's a lot of dead babies. I know. I can't. I'm itchy. What? <laughs> if I could get up and walk out of the damn room right now, I would. <laughs> this is Rumors and Confabulation. So, the story I want to tell you about today... Um, it's a near and dear one to my heart. Mm -hmm. It takes place um, in Casey County, Kentucky. Well, actually, I guess kind of technically outside of Stanford, but the women are from Casey County. So, you know, let's just, let me just kind of give you a brief little dollop of what we're talking about today, okay? Sounds good. So, in 1976, January 6th of 1976 to be exact, three women from Casey County, Kentucky were abducted by a UFO craft. This craft and this particular abduction is one of the most believable and hard to condemn cases in of an alien abduction of all time, in my personal opinion. And it is also one of the prime examples of the typical pop culture alien abduction scenario. Again, it's 1976. So uh, it's 20-something years after Betty and Barney Hill, right? Because they was 51, or were they 53? Uh, I can't remember the exact dates on that, but yeah. Y'all get on Facebook and cut at, cuss at us for not knowing the right date. Yeah. Thanks. Let's just get into the who the three women are first. Let me yeah. give you a little background info. Just let me, let me sit this down. Give me that gossip. Yeah. Hot guys. I think they call it tea these days. That's what the kids are calling it. Give me the tea. Yeah, they, they start calling it tea. Um... I just now learned yeet was a thing, and it's fucking 2021. Yeah, that was a while back. I yeah, thought. I know. I'm saying, so where are you coming with me with the tea here? I think the tea might be a while back. But it, it might not be. Anyways, Tell me this about is, this UFO, Here's mystery. the tea. So, Mona Stafford, Elaine Thomas, Louise Smith. Mm -hmm. These are the three women from Casey County. Mona Stafford at the time is 36. Actually, the day of the abduction is her birthday, her 36th birthday. Mm -hmm. The uh, tying 
person in this three women friendship is Elaine Thomas. Luis was friends with Elaine. Mona was friends with Elaine. Then Mona, they all became little buddies. They had themselves a little. Uh, she was a mutual friend that they all yeah. knew. Yeah, they yeah. became. Uh, what's what am I looking for? Golden Girls type scenario. Yeah. Is that three? Yeah. No. Four. Maybe. So they decided they're all becoming friends further and further, deepening their friendship. Actually, just a couple weeks. But they decided to take Mona out to her birthday. Out for her birthday? Out for her birthday. They decided to kind of treat Mona a little bit. They wanted to drive her to the Redwoods restaurant near Stamford, Kentucky. This is, we're talking probably... 30 to 40 minutes away from Casey County. Casey County, uh, for a little background info, Casey County is, its seat is Liberty. Mm-hmm. Liberty is actually, I have family from Liberty. Um, I have deep, like, very close family from Liberty. I've spent um, many, like, all of my holidays as a child in Liberty, outside Liberty, out in the country. We've been camping in Liberty. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very rural, small-town Kentucky feel. Um, they, It's off the Green River. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty uh, county, um, but it's a very, very rural. We're talking like a 1,000 people. Like, living in Liberty, I, there's more in the county, but yeah. we're talking Liberty. Liberty's probably about a thousand, you know, roughly. I mean, in the county probably matches that, but this is Yeah, I, I mean, it's not a big county whatsoever. But it is near um, Stanford and Danville, which are both bigger. Yep. And uh, so, actually, this particular incident is taking place on a highway around Casey County, not even quite in Casey County. It's Highway 78 is where the action's happening, okay? Two lane, one yellow line down the middle. Yeah, man. We're talking country road. Yep. So they go to the Redwood Redwoods restaurant. They were leaving around, um, or they got there around nine o'clock at night. So it's a kind of a late night birthday party type deal. Not really a party. It's kind of it's really actually an impromptu birthday dinner because uh, Mona had plans uh, that same night to be with her sister. Yada yada yada. She, you know she dinner is, she ends up at Redwoods restaurant. Yeah. Saying, yeah, exactly. So they have a nice dinner. Nothing extraordinary happens there. Nothing untoward. They leave uh, at about 11.15 p.m. They estimate that they'll be home by midnight, which I have been on Highway 78 often uh, in my life, and that is a very good estimate, especially, I mean, honestly, we probably wouldn't take as long as that. But in the 70s, I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, I was going to say, they're going to run a little little bit slower. Yeah, so... Um, that's a good, that's a good time frame. They were just turning onto Highway 78 in Luis's 1967 Chevy Nova. Which I finally freaking checked just now, and it does have power steering. It does have power so steering. So my questions for this. All right. So, so they're rolling in that power steering Chevy Nova. Man, what a time to be alive. They are... Heading towards Houstonville. Houstonville is uh, really the only thing I know about Houstonville, and I've passed through it many, many times. Still, the only thing I know about is that they have the Houstonville Haunted House, which actually isn't even in Houstonville anymore. It's in Junction City. But it's still called the Houstonville Haunted House. Why? It's on Houstonville Road. Oh. I think. And <laughs> 
gets on with the name of their post office. They don't get on with the name of their town. Well, I mean, it was the name of... They were I, in the I, middle I, I of know, Houston. I'm, I'm, I'm being contrite. <laughs> so, really quite quickly after they turned onto Highway 78, they saw, well, Mona saw first, a bright red object in the sky, just right in the horizon. And, again, we're talking 11, 15 at night. This bright red object, she just yells out, there's a plane on fire that's falling. So she just said bright red object. She didn't say better hair shaped or nothing. No. She just said bright red. That's all she, she saw. If something's bright on fire, red. it's going to be like, ooh. Ain't it? Go well, ahead. Sorry. So she saw this bright red, she says, airplane on fire for sure. But then as it's uh, it starts actually is getting closer, it's, it is descending. It starts higher in the sky and it is descending. But then it's clear that it is just a kind of more of a steady red light. Uh, the other women start to notice it. Uh, they see it in their... Everyone's getting a little freaked out already by this point. As it descends, uh, one woman described it to be the size of two houses. The Another one described it as being the size of a football field. Which, interestingly enough... Um, as a kind of a little sidebar. Two houses or a football field. I mean, they coming from a single wide. I mean, what are they calling a... Well, yeah. It's yeah, pretty varying in size there. But the interesting thing on the football field one is that there are a lot of other sightings around the late 60s and throughout the 70s of similar crafts to being around 100 yards in length mm. throughout the country. So it, the football field... So we're field, talking Independence Day shit coming down and being like, whoop. Yeah, they described it as being like a, the the flying saucer. And it's bright also, red and that big. A bright red light is emanating from it. So at first, you know, all you can really see is that light. Because, you know, it's 11 something o'clock mm-hmm. at night. So all you can see is the light. The light is descending towards them as they're driving. It gets above the I'm field. sorry, if something that big's coming flying at you when you're driving down the road, I mean. You'd think they'd stop at a complete stop, right? At least shit yourself. I don't know. <laughs> Well, they didn't report it. They may have. <laughs> they just didn't report it. So it stopped. Also, another about football field size. It stopped about a hundred yards in front of them. So it's still a ways away. So it ain't up on top. It's still... no, it's not right up on top. But stop. It stops ahead of them on the road. Their lights are you know flashing towards it. It stayed for just a couple seconds and then it moved to the left, kind of off the road. They kept driving. They just kept on going towards it. They then thought, because it just kept moving to the left, they thought it was gone. They didn't see it anymore. Mm-hmm. At about this time, though, the car kind of starts to feel like uh, Luis is driving. It's her car. She starts to feel like she can't control this vehicle anymore. Uh, she And then Mona, I believe it was, is sitting next to her, and she's trying to also take control of the car. They then notice, right after this, they notice in their rear window, there's now a blue light flashing. This blue light must have been flashing in kind of like a, uh, I want to say a circle. You're running your hand in a circle. You talking like a cop flash, like real quick, or is it like a slow stroke? No, I'm talking about it real quick. because, Because they actually thought that it was a cop behind them. I'm not sure why they thought at first it was a cop. I think they're trying to rationalize everything that happened. I mean, that's um, the first thing your head's going to do because your brain wants to fill up the spots that don't know what the... Yeah. Yeah, so, I, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. They, like, again, Mona thought it was a, of course, a plane on 1970s, fire. 1970s, I don't know if he's running blue lights just yet. They were probably still back with the... 
I would assume they, I would assume they are though if they thought it was a cop. All right, deep so I'd assume probably. I mean, I'm gonna sit here and get all semantic on nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so then the very strange. This is yeah when it starts to ramp up. Okay, because right now all we've got right now is a hovering big craft that you know and stuff. Well, then all three women started to feel a burning sensation in their eyes. Not like a... Like behind their eyes or on the front of their eyes. Like, I'm going to say... Okay, have you ever felt like an extreme dry eye? Yeah. I'm going to say it's like that. So uh, Based off of their description. discomfort is yes, what you're... Discomfort. Okay, got, got yes, you. discomfort. That's a good way to put it. It okay. wasn't exactly like... It's not debilitating. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just uncomfortable. This is obnoxious. Get yeah. it away from me. Yes. So as their eyes are also are wigging out, the car itself is wigging out. The uh, ignition light comes on. The car's engine stalls, except the car is going at least eighty-five miles per hour. I mean, the car is just going haywire, and then they see a bright road. This bright road it develops itself kind of out of Highway seventy-eight. They are being pulled into this bright light, which the bright light they would later describe as being as emanating from the craft itself, pulling the car actually toward the craft onto what they called a bright road. So it let down a loading ramp and they're driving up a loading ramp, is what you're telling me. Yeah. Okay. That's what it seems to be. Actually, interestingly, there is a farmer who has a farm right around this area. Off Highway 78, he actually claims that he saw the moment they were abducted. Now, mm-hmm. he never put his name on record. He never wanted to get too involved in the story. Understandably so. But he actually did claim that he saw a large football field-sized craft, saucer, that was beaming light down onto the road. He, did, he didn't say, say, though, that he saw a car being dragged up this light. He just said that he saw a beaming light. Right, so and then the football field and didn't go off and bother nobody about it. But he, that's all he's, he's like, hey, that's what I saw. Leave me alone. Can he go tell the papers or did he just tell somebody to come ask He him? told, uh, I believe it was the police. Okay. He told. Um, there was also. Hey, dis- Sheriff. <laughs> Well, this is... You ain't the, never gonna know what I saw the other night. I'd, hey, what'd you see Because you know it's what it was. He's down at the drugstore buying another pack of cigarettes, and he's been, been like, hey, sheriff. And that, that's all it was. It wasn't like he dialed up 911 or whatever it was yeah. back in the day. Yeah, Tuffy, what'd you see? What'd you see there, Tuffy? Uh, Bright light, you say? Uh, 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 aircraft? Well, hell. Oh, yeah, hell, I mean, that's about when it sums up to me anyway. But. <laughs> there, um, there's also a very interesting thing about this, too, where there's two um, teenagers. This is definitely to the cops, uh, but actually the police in Danville. Um, because two teenagers who were driving around the same area, they were actually driving down. Boyle County does border it, Casey County, right? It goes no. kind of Boyle, then Lincoln, then Casey. Okay, gotcha. But it's just like a little sliver. Lincoln, Lincoln. ain't too big. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. a little sliver because Lincoln County is all, stretches all the way. It's mostly Stanford, and then it just kind of stretches into kind of 
that area just a little bit. So just basically county over. Yeah, essentially. They're on Highway 27, which is just a 30-minute drive from Casey County to Danville. That's how I get up to you. Yeah. Yeah. So they're driving 27, and they see this, they see it, what they describe as this blue light. You just said those teenagers, didn't you? Yeah, they're teenagers. They're driving. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're all. I I don't know. Old teenagers. Old teenagers. Old teenagers. Oh, <laughs> I can't I can't say nothing at you because I just sat here thinking teenagers can't drive. Well, they can't, but they do. But go on, young adults, if you will. Okay, thank you. That's what you yes, should have said. Young adults. That would have derailed everything. <laughs> a little bit they were driving down. They actually saw a craft and they chased, quote unquote, chased it all the way to Danville from like Casey County or near Casey County, all the way to. So Danville. I got on one fifty and started hopping and being like, woo. Yeah, 158. Did I say I'm getting my roads mixed up. Sorry. I'm, I, you just said Danville to Casey County. Yeah. So they're driving down, and they get all the way to Danville, and they go right into town. They go immediately to the police station. I mean, they drive. They go from, hey, there's a UFO. There's a UFO. UFO gone. Cops. They're there, and they're saying, you wouldn't believe what I saw. And again, the, the cops are like, okay, okay, sure. So. Hey, sheriff. <laughs> His balls ain't dropped yet, is he? <laughs> Sitting there he's about. driving, but he still hasn't hit puberty. Yeah. <laughs> so they, though, the again, they are like going into this bright road, which is going towards the craft. The craft then, I guess, takes we're back. Off. We're back to the, the three. The ladies. three women. Okay. Yes. Let's get back to the three women. I'll give it to it. Let me give it to you exactly how they recalled it at the time, that night, how they recalled it. Mm-hmm. What they recalled is that they were going up a very bright road, and then within seconds, within seconds, they were back on Highway 78, eight miles away from when they first saw the alien craft. Eight miles. We're talking moments. All of this happened within moments. So they pulled up the loading ramp. And then on the next thing, they're like, oh, we're back on the ground. Yep. But they're, they're, they're down the road. Yeah, They're eight miles down the road, and they actually see the lights of Houstonville from where they are. So they completely cross from one side of the highway. So there's a the, visual change, and there's like, oh, shit. It's not like, oh, yeah. we know we've traveled eight miles. It's like, no. whoop, how'd I get here? Yeah, it's like bright road, Houstonville. And they are com- just completely confused. They get to back to Liberty. And, again, they thought it was going to be midnight. When they got back to Liberty, mm-hmm. they got actually back to Liberty at one twenty-five a.m. So they it took them from they went eleven to dinner at nine, at nine left the diner at eleven fifteen, and they get back about one twenty-five. One twenty-five. Wow. Yeah. So they went to Louise Smith's uh, home. She lives in the trailer, um, and they went there. That's uh, where they were all hanging out beforehand, and. Uh, so they decided to all try to gather themselves. They're all uh, visibly distraught. They're not really talking to each other about it yet. Um, and they decide they need to go inside, gather themselves, wash up, you know, do all that sort of stuff. Just kind of bring it down, calm down, sit down, you know. Is Louise married? I think I asked you this at no. some point. No, uh, Louise is not married. So she's living it alone. They're back at her. Yes. Okay. Louise is not married. Um, so... At this time, uh, Elaine, I believe, is the only married one of the three at gotcha. this time. All right. All right. Mona um, actually has been divorced, I believe, and there's a possibility that Louise has as well. 
Um, I have some kind of interconnections with this story. I'm not going to say what they are because I don't want to give away delicate info. Yeah. But I do know that Mona's uh, son did not ever want to hear the word alien brought up. <laughs> so take that for what you will. Um, they were kind of pariahs after this, let's just say, in the community. A little bit. They were not... I want to say they were treated like poorly, but they were questioned. They were thought, you know, and th- but these are all three. That's one thing I, I, I should have made perfectly clear at the beginning of this. These are three reputable women. They Mona's owns a, a, a craft store. Like these women have done things in the community. They are all from the community. They've all lived their entire lives in the community. People know them. They're all, the, all three of them are churchgoers. Um, they are in different parts of Liberty as well. One was in Poplar Springs. So they ain't all at the same neighborhood. And... No, they're in different, like, little outside. All three of them, I think, are actually kind of from outside of Liberty in the little, like, neighborhoods outside in the country. Gotcha, gotcha. But different parts. Um, so it really... All right. It, yeah, they're credible as far as, you know, they're reputable. So they got back at 125. At uh, Nothing after that. So they uh, go inside. They start, they feel the burning sensation is starting to kind of dissipate, except for Mona. Mona has, and it, hers seems to actually stem in just one eye. I couldn't really ever figure out exactly which eye it was that she had that was bothering her so much. But it, there's one eye of Mona's that is really, really bothering her. The other women, every other eyeball in the scenario seem to have started to calm down by this point. So, so yeah, her symptoms are uh, really bad at this point. Worse kind of than the other three at this point. Uh, the eye is just really bad. and they, But they all do three have also burns on the back of their necks. So, um, but they all had the eye problem and they all got the burns in the back of their neck. Yes. So these are all, these are the shared symptoms. So what I got up to go get that note for, um, <laughs> that's something that's in other UFO things, mainly men in black sightings, but the men in black sightings around the Mothman report mm-hmm. this, and it's called Kleeg's, Kleeg conjuvitis. I'm saying that wrong. Conjunctivitis. Conjunctivitis. Thank yeah. you. I mean, you're not, man. You know what you're talking yeah. about. Conjunctiv- Cleeg's conjunctivitis. By the way, I actually am, quote unquote, an eye man. I've worked in an eye doctor's office. He knows. I'm not an eye doctor, but I've worked in there in an office I, for multiple years. Nothing on this podcast is medically sound. <laughs> so don't take nothing that um, your lawyers are going to come back and get on people with. Anyway, don't, but if conjunctivitis. You, yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. It's pink eye, but it ain't pink eye that comes from the way people normally get pink eye from being right. unsanitary. Yes. It comes from... Not, I mean, yeah. For the most part, unsanitary, yeah. Yeah, but that was like most of the people that had Mothman stuff around, like Mothman and Men in Black mm-hmm. stories, they right. all had that. That's interesting. And then that, then this thing you was talking about has Right, it. that's very interesting. And then some of them also talked about being like sunburned. Burns. Okay, so, which this burn, this burn that they had is all a... They described it as being like kind of bubbling a bit, almost like, you know, it's on the onset of a really third degree type yeah, shit. Third yeah, degree yeah, burn. Yeah. But 
it then just suddenly went away after like three days. It just went away after being that bad. They described it later on. They described it as being as all their burns being uh, round, kind of ish, maybe not perfectly round, but roundish, mm-hmm. and there's a pinkish gray. And they said it's a size of a half dollar. So not that big, but still pretty big. So someone, yeah. I'm about to say laser, but a laser ain't that big around. But someone basically just put a spotlight on them and just left them in there. Yeah, seems like it. Yeah, but the thing is too that's also interesting is that Mona's came uh, was actually not situated the same place as Elaine and, and Luis's. Elaine and Luis's they theirs are kind of more like center back of their neck. Mona's is actually towards more towards the back of her ear. Maybe she had scoliosis and it ran up this way and she been. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. No, she did not. But it is interesting to note that because of how bad her one particular eye of hers was. And it's right behind the back of her ear. So then you can connect right behind the back of your eye, you know. Yeah. So Luis, though, goes inside. Uh, well, I mean, they all go inside. But Luis decides to go wash up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luis takes off her watch. She's wearing a watch. She takes it off, washes her uh, hands and face. But when she washes her hands and face, she realizes that it's actually kind of painful to, to wash to put hands. when the water hits specifically the so water. So she one of people that's allergic to water all of a sudden. <laughs> no, th- those people are a thing. I ain't, I ain't pulling something up my ass. Luis. Felt a, it was painful, like a, I think it was kind of burning as well, but just from the water. She wasn't allergic to water, um, and I, I guess that's a thing, but she was not allergic to water. <laughs> and she also realized, though, that her watch was just spinning out of control, like as it's sitting there on the counter. The hands are or the watch itself? The hands the wa- are. No, oh, okay, the hands, the hands are. That makes a little yeah. more sense. I think you meant the watch itself sitting there going around and bending. No, the, <laughs> no, the watch wasn't just... <laughs> no, it was the hands on the watch. The I, minute I, I, was going just haywire, and then the hour was going at least as fast as the minute. Mm-hmm. So they decided, because then all three of them, you know, they were all kind of realizing the symptoms and everything they all had and really kind of, it was all starting to weigh on them. Mm-hmm. They decided to go talk to Luis's neighbor. Um, I'm assuming this is the next day. No, this is the same night. Oh, yeah, late good. at night. So they must have, I don't know what this guy's up to, why. But they go get shot going come somebody's front porch at 3 o'clock in the morning, Ben. They're talking tea. <laughs> I guess it must be normal. It's just, I can't sleep. I'm going to go tell Luis how... Well, so they went to her, Luis's neighbor, Lowell Lee. Lovely. Lowly, lowly, lowly. Lay love. No money. Sorry. No, that's good. Come on, Eric, Eric Slapped and then Ben. <laughs> Lowly, yeah. So Lowly, uh, he heard everything. He was told, he was totally caught up to speed. Lowly. He decided, though, I'm going to try a little experiment. He gave each each woman a pad of paper. They're all three into arts and crafts. That's kind of what binds their friendship. So it really gets them going. Arts and crafts. So they're all Clarifying, you said Lowell Lee. Lowell. Lowell. Okay, Lowell. It's a dude. It's not a woman named Lowell Lee. 
It's a dude named Lowell Lee. Lowell Lee. Lowell Lee. Okay, I got Lowell Lee. Lowell man. Seriously, if anyone is listening to this podcast, say that name five times in a row as fast as you can. Just say it once, and you're just going to sit there and touch at yourself because you can't get it at your mouth. Lowell Lee. So Lowell Lee gave them each a pad of paper. They went to separate parts of his, uh, I assume trailer, maybe a house, I'm not sure. They, to draw what they had seen that night, the craft itself, they all came back with a strikingly similar drawing. Like, basically, as if each one of them, like they could have, one person could have. They went back to draw something similar and make something. And then they came back. And they none of them saw each other's drawings until they had like the grand reveal, uh-huh. and then each of them gave them to Lowell Lee, and Lowell Lee, his um, pants were blown right off. Now had they all just watched the same TV show the night before, so they all saw something? They didn't claim to, but that's definitely possible. I, I mean, you got cable; you can only watch a couple things. One of them might have saw something on Brady Bunch or something. I don't think there's a Brady Bunch UFO episode, but I can't. Think I would like to see it in the seventies. What's also on the seventies? Mash. He's all watching Mash. There's got sure, to at least be some kind of UFO. Yeah. Mash. Flying saucer ripping through Mash. No. I'm, back. I'm sorry, Mash. I did not mean to do <laughs> So when they got the results of these sketchings, they were even more freaked out. Because then they it started to really... They started to further their belief in what happened. The, the Actually, you know, instead of how some people as more time passes, the more they're like, they try to rationalize what happened. Mm-hmm. They actually were spurring it on to like, no, this actually happened to each one of us separately, but at the same time. They decided to take their um, drawings and what happened to the cops in Liberty. Uh, cops, county sheriff. Yeah, they didn't do anything about it. They were just like, okay, we'll look into it. And even though they probably heard reports from the Danville police about, you know, sightings, like I told you, there's two teenagers, uh, sorry, young adults. And there was the farm. I'm not sure when exactly he reported things, but there's other sightings. Like, there's other people reports. Actually, I do want to tell you about this. There's a YouTube commenter. Yeah. There's a YouTube commenter on a, on a video about this. He claimed his family lived in Hazlitt Hollow or Hazlitt Holler. If you know you're can is fine. And now it has a hollow too. I gotta say this too. It's only like I'm really familiar with this area. I don't I've I do not think I've ever been down to Hazlitt Hollow in particular, but it's seriously You can like, just say it's your neck of the woods and I think everybody's is gonna understand what you my mean. My neck of the woods. And he claims that he was there with his entire family and their dog. <laughs> I don't know why for some reason. Him saying that his dog saw this UFO really hit home to me. He really put it all together. He took the time to say his dog in the story is what you mean. He took the time to say that his dog looked up into the sky and saw this UFO. Woof. Which I'm like, okay, you saw it. I don't know why you were like, even my dog saw it. Like, okay, how? I don't know. Maybe he's saying my dog took notice of it. I saw my dog look up and be like, Murph. 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 <laughs> So he's saying, even my dog took notice of it. It wasn't just my dumb ass out in the woods. He goes, I look up, and the a, dog went And his entire family, and he's like younger at this time, so, this guy, because it's the 70s. The dog he's, he's gives a, it more credibility. Sure. If you 
Yeah, I guess so. But so he claims that this all happened right there. He saw it all. And this is a guy on YouTube. you got to believe that, right? They also called the local Navy office. And um, which at first when I read that, I was really like, why on earth would you call the local Navy office about a UFO? But then as I thought about it, it actually, and even their reactions towards the craft, I really think that they thought that it was some sort of military tech, which makes sense because anytime I've ever seen anything, they're trying the sky, to put it that's on what, what their heads are thinking. And... Right. And so they wanted to let the Navy know, or I mean, and they wanted partially, I'm sure they wanted to t- talk to the Navy and see if they had an explanation for it. They were like, oh, yeah, somebody was running this or that that night or, you know, tonight. You know, I'm sure they were trying to get some sort of answer out from someone. Does the Navy do something on Case County hasn't been worked close forever? Green is River. It? Green River. Okay. Green River Navy is... There's... It's in... I mean, it's like not... Because, I mean, I know there's Navy posts, like, in Louisville and stuff along the Ohio River. Oh, yeah. I'm it's, just saying, I'm Green River is not... It's not as big as Kentucky River. It's not as big as Ohio River. It's not as big as... Unless there's rivers. a Navy airfield or something. We don't know what we're talking about. So don't get all pissed yeah. and get on Facebook. This is, again, yeah, that is just my personal theory about... But they did call the big, Navy office yes. of the yes. area. Um... At this point, the Navy, the naval officer, uh, he, he he didn't take their story seriously, just like the sheriff didn't. Mm. Except he did decide, I'm going to have a bit of a lark with this and go and talk to reporters about it. Mm-hmm. So he basically brushed the women off and then went and gossiped to the reporters. This is the naval officer did this. A naval officer decided, yeah. Well, I mean, at first I said, you know, you said naval officer, but I know there's officers that are 21 years old. So don't sure. Know. Well, yeah, this is the naval. This nothing. is the naval office. I should. Okay, yeah, yeah, this is the office. So, so yeah. I'm not sure exactly. Could have just been a secretary that has nothing. You know, I guess. But you. still, move, move. someone calls you with a very like trying. They're distraught. They're you know they're they're, they're in a the HIPAA for the naval offices apparently. <laughs> hold their secrets back when doctors' offices can. Well, they, um, this story, eventually, it got spread out to a Lexington TV station. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lexington, Kentucky being the central city of central Kentucky. Um, you know, obviously the only, like, major city in the area, I guess, if you, as the rest of the country would see it. So, it's kind of, it starts to then circulate in the back room on the cutting floor, if you you will, mm-hmm. of these different uh, TV stations, newspapers. It starts to circulate, but they don't really have enough info about it yet. But the the talk is starting to circulate. Um, while all of this is happening, each woman is continuing to feel these symptoms um, that they had gotten from the night. Uh, Elaine didn't really talk about this as much as Luis and Mona did at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Luis, one huge thing, too, um, I'm not sure if they, Luis really talked about this right when they got there that night, but she had a pet parakeet. This pet parakeet went crazy around her for the rest of its days, which was not long. And it was a healthy bird. Go on. No, you have comments about the parakeet. 
just where it came in in the story kind of surprised me. I'm just, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm good on but No, well, okay, well, that. here's, this is the strange thing. This was a very well-mannered parakeet. It was well-loved by Luis. Uh, she loved this parakeet from all, you know, mm-hmm. all accounts. And then all of a sudden, she walks up to this parakeet, and it, like, throws itself to the other side of the cage. I mean, it is, like, trying to get out desperately to get away from okay, her. Okay, so it didn't just, it, it, it's scared of her. And yes. It, 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 ain't, it ain't just wacky in general. It just right. It's not a, yeah, it would never acted like this before. Understood, okay. And it's do, not, it doesn't do this to other people. It's just her. And what about she, the other two women in the thing? Did it do it doesn't seem, no, there's no reports of it doing it to them. Huh. Just Luis. And Luis was the one who took care of the thing. You know, she's the one that it loved. So, Luis's car also had mysterious electrical issues. Again, remember that it was like popping up, you know, the ignition line was coming on, all this Mm -hmm. stuff was happening to it that night. It's having these really strange electrical issues. And she continues to have some moments of strange things like with her watch and other appliances around the house. Like things just not working when they should. Things going a little off. You know, it's just odd. Nothing really that's like, other than the parakeet, which did die just like two months later. And even though it was a totally healthy bird, and it just, I think it's so just... So we're talking two months out, and this stuff's still oh, cropping up in the back. Yeah, this, well, this, right now, what we're talking is just within like the, the week or more so following. Yeah. But these some of these symptoms do persist it, it, for months. Okay, gotcha. Um, again, we're talking January 6th is the time of the incident. Yeah. So, from this, um, Mona is, she starts going to eye doctors about this here conjunctivitis. Um, The eye doctors are treating her for conjunctivitis. The conjunctivitis, um, they're treating her for extreme conjunctivitis. And again, um, I have some sort of expertise in the field. And I can tell you that for this, they would not have done much for her. And she claimed that. That they had not done much for her. No. They gave her drops, um, which even, and, I mean, I don't want to poo-poo on 1976 too badly, but I'm sure their eye care was not as good as it is now. And I know now there's a lot of people who have conjunctivitis that it's just kind of like, put these drops in and hope it doesn't keep on hurting as bad. Yeah. You know, and especially if they're like, we're not real sure what caused it. This is like extreme. And obviously it just came on. So, which conjunctivitis does come on suddenly. It does come on suddenly. But it doesn't come about usually as you're, like, driving in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. It's usually when you wake up with it. Yeah. They also suffered from constant thirst. And neighbors and other people around the area reported them having extreme weight loss. All three of them. I mean, we're talking going from, like, 115 pounds down to 90 so not big women. No. And they're, I mean, they're all, uh, one of, I think it was Elaine that's a little taller, but, ah, shoot. They're mostly petite, let's just say. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head if thirst and weight loss kind of go together if you ain't drink, if, yeah. if you ain't got, yeah. water weight is the first 10 pounds you're going to lose when you start losing weight. Very true. But and, again, we're not talking about big women, though. So losing... 10 pounds in a short time frame uh, for people that, for someone who's 115 pounds is major. I mean, that's the top end of what you're going to lose. There, that's There's major. nothing much to, yeah. That's really, I mean, 
another, this one is just weird, and I don't know exactly, I didn't get any clarification as to what people exactly meant by this, but they said, as a symptom, they all started to chain smoke. <laughs> I think that's just something you do when you just... When you're yeah. stressed, right? I think that's just something that developed. I don't think that's necessarily a compulsion that the UFO caused them to have. I think that's just a way to try no, to cope. No, that's just how it goes. <laughs> you go down the store, you buy something off the shelf, and, I mean, they ain't... It's either that or you start pulling a bottle and then they're, yeah. yeah. And one thing, too, that is becoming more and more clear as time goes on from this is they know, especially Mona talked on this, that there is something missing. They know in those two hours that all three of them are forgetting something. Because they was going up a bright white loading ramp on the back of a U-Haul and they went, whoop, and then all of a sudden it's on the road. (laughs) They know there's something in between. They're smart enough to be like, hmm. And they went eight miles in seconds to their mind. Yes. You know, the way they are able to comprehend it. I doubt they hit light speed and they weren't relativity or nothing at that point. I know, but the 67... Chevy Nova hits light speed. I don't think that was in the product. I don't know, man. You can, you can go back and read you some Chevy commercials and get you a job. But um. so, but these women are starting to have an increasingly difficult time of trying to figure out what happened. They know something happened, and they know it's something painful that their that their minds don't want to recall. But at the same time. They feel a need to, they become obsessed with it. Mona can't work at this time. She is trying to go into work and just cannot focus. Again, the extreme weight loss, the constant thirst. She works at a, the Casey County Extension office, I believe it was. Yeah, man, I ain't um, saying, yeah. yeah, so like, yeah, it's Casey County Extension office. And she just couldn't, and again, she also is dealing with the, dealing with the eye pain. So she's got the eye pain. She's got painful memories that she's just like, it's kind of getting like, is in a haze and a fog. Mm-hmm. So as this is all happening, as they're trying to live their lives a little bit, um, it starts, the news story starts to circulate amongst certain organizations. I don't know if I need to put those in air quotes. MUFON. Oh, Mutual wow. UFO Network. You said that, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Like some kind of news thing. You know, you know about MUFON and NUFON and BUFON and CHUFRON. CHUFRON. CHUFRON's my favorite. That's the Canadian branch. <laughs> Canadian Heartland UFO. Oh, nice. No, I'm not just pulled that out of my ass, but yeah. So MUFON, though, they got their mitts on this case. And uh, in particular, investigator uh, Jerry Black. He just went to work. And mm-hmm. he started calling the three women. Um, all three of them uh, together, separate, didn't matter. He, um, <laughs> his method seemed a little, uh, I, I would say he's kind of a little schmoozing. You know, he's trying to kind of really like really capture their hearts. He can't you know? get on and get in there. And been, yeah. He's really trying to be like, I know you women went through a hard time. If you could just tell me what happened. Pat, Pat, yeah. Pat, Pat. I, a shoulder to cry on. Yeah. Not that I want to know anything about the UFO that happened. I don't want to know anything. I just want to know the pain. But tell me about the alien, but just the pain of... I'm sorry. I'm, mixing, I'm yeah. getting a mix of Glenn Harrington and <laughs> Joel McHale, as you're saying. It's kind of like... Um, it's, it's I, the I, I think Jerry Black would probably love to be compared to those guys. <laughs> um, yeah. After a lot of persuasion, 
they finally did relent. Um, they were not. They were pretty hesitant toward Jerry Black at first. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were pretty hesitant. But eventually, honestly, his schmoozing and everything, I don't know how legit any of it was. I, to me, it seems like a salesman. Uh, it seems like he's trying to get as much information as possible. Like a, But either way, they trust him from here on out, the rest of this tale. Jerry Black is in on it. Mm-hmm. Jerry Black brings along, which this is actually one thing that I will give him credit for, and I think is a smart move on his part. And um, he does bring along Peggy Schnell, so there's a woman in the room. So it's not just him talking like, to these three women. He brought his secretary along. Or she's he, not a secretary. He, he just brought a confidant. She's not a like, secretary. Hey. She is actually from Ohio. Um, she has apparently, she's a, I believe, a independent reporter. She, um, so quote, he brought along a colleague. Yes, essentially. To, she quote unquote has experience with these kinds of cases. All right. Um, possibly some, I think she may be, um, they both claim to have some sort of like working in with like the psychological field as well, even though again, it's move on. So, you know, they're fucking and they're going to get on with the reporting. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so they begin to try to break this down with Jerry Mm -hmm. and Peggy. Um, they start to talk first about the symptoms. Uh, they discuss in uh, as great a detail as they can about the the drive, what mm. happened that night. Um, Elaine, actually, this is a quote from Elaine. and Because they really, their first conversation with Jerry and Peggy, they really went to town on the symptoms and the kind of the after effects. And Elaine, actually, direct quote, she said, We live in fear of what we don't know. I'm worried about Lou and Mona. I think they're ready for a breakdown. So, obviously, they're all distraught, mm-hmm. for lack of better words. Um, I found a surprisingly good content about this from a website that I am going to go out of my way to uh, to give a little nod to because it's, it's a inter- vastly entertaining website. It's called AppalachianGhostWalks.com Sounds like fun it's, time. It's one of those websites that still has a black background with a purple font. You just hear the dial-up modem running in the background. Yeah. Get off the phone, Dad. I'm trying to get on porn. <laughs> I thought you were getting onto Appalachian Ghost Wall. Well, that's, that's for later. <laughs> So, in this website, they have it as according to Black, um, they had some quotes here that the women recalled uh, saying that along this bright red road that it was actually bumpy. And as one woman called it, it was bumpy, like at a Frisch's. What? what? <laughs> that, there must have just been a Frisch's in the area that had, a, that had speed bumps. Is that one up there in 90 shut down? I don't remember. I don't remember speed bumps. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that was a great little. Are they running over the poor little fishies man out in the parking lot? <laughs> there he goes. He's just wiped out. <laughs> what? Um. Oh, also, I did want to tell you too. One thing that was uh, Lou talked about. Luis talked about during this time of the invest quote unquote investigation was that it's not just the parakeet that's going off the fritz with her. 
every bird that she comes in contact with well, just runs. Well, she needs to step back from a bird and just be done with it. It's actually... She's going to clean up the turkey at Thanksgiving and it's going to get up and be like, and it's going to run off down the hallway. So even dead birds. Even the dead ones. Like Have, you said all birds. They're not the dead ones. They're dead. <laughs> She's going down and fold your own on them chickens and them wires. Get up and start Louise, um, yeah, had the issues with the birds. <laughs> Let's just call it that. Bird issues. They all had, by the way, they all had fatigue, too. Just, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, again, weight loss and things like that. So it is kind of like chicken or, or the egg kind of scenario, you know? Al got food poisoning to that restaurant. You think so? You think this is all from food poisoning? I wouldn't doubt it. It's like something off Wild Wild Country or something. Or what kind of food poisoning were they all laced with? Like every single bit of their food was laced with roofies. No, it was some homie just accidentally dropped his high blood pressure medicine down in the mash. And you think and that that gave and... them burns, conjunctivitis, extreme weight loss, chain smoking, and bird paranoia? No. <laughs> Oh, man, I was hoping you could convince me. So, at this time, other people are also starting to get, you know, trying to get in on the action. You know, a little slice of the pie. Uh, Walter Andros, or Andros of MUFON, and also J. Allen Hynek of KUFOS. J. Allen Hynek is a pretty high-profile guy Uh at this point. And um, he wanted to wait to get his hands onto this situation. For one, Jerry's already on it. Uh, although he's Kufo, so I guess they're competing. But J. Allen Hynek really wanted to yeah, wait. They both have both the membership cards in their back pocket. Yo, they whip them out every time, I'm sure. No, I'm saying is they both have both of them. Oh. I'm, they're secretly a member of the other one. That it's like some, I would love their, that. Their, I would love their it. secondary like, name is they're just like... It's like J. Alec Hynek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a part of MUFO. Yeah, that would be pretty great. Uh, but they wanted to wait, actually. They <laughs> they felt that Jerry was a little too quick on the trigger. And they wanted to wait to let the women kind of get in a better state of mind and better physical condition before they started exploiting them. I mean, they, they letting them tell their side of the story. They didn't want to believe the whole hysteria of the back. I know hysteria is a bad word, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. They didn't want to think it was just something off the back end that they was talking about. So, but I will say the women actually did. Um, apparently, they had heard of Heineck. and yeah, I'm not real sure. I don't know if they did. How does somebody in the middle of fucking Kentucky hear about J. Allen Heineck back? Well, I guess it's maybe from other high higher profile UFO cases around this time. I guess everybody was watching that. Um, we're talking seventies. See, I keep jumping yeah. back. This and is UFO right. hysteria. Yeah, again, yeah. shouldn't use the word hysteria. But this is like this is the time of the UFO in the U.S. Yeah, it was. It was the it, yeah, it was. It was yeah, it was the it was the shit back in the day. It, it was. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And they wanted Heineck because he had performed progress. Re- sorry, regressive hypnosis from other cases. Yeah, so that in. So the women, the women really wanted the regressive hypnosis. They were all about they it because they wanted. They thought for some other reason. They, they thought this just... is the only way they're going to recover their thoughts. They thought that's the only way they're going to recover their memories. They think that they think this is the only way. That's what it's all behind. Is they needed that for therapy. 
So they made up a UFO story just to get free hypnosis. <laughs> well, no, because their whole hypnosis is centered around the UFO. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> so, but they um, they couldn't get Heineck because Heineck didn't have any funding to get to Kentucky. Um, that poor man. Yeah. So they also contacted a Dr. Berthold Schwartz who also couldn't make it because of a tight schedule, he's claimed. He probably was just like, <laughs> okay, uh, no. UFOs, I'm out. But never fear. Sprinkle is here. Dr. Leo Sprinkle of the University of Wyoming. He dropped everything that he was doing to try to get to these women. Again, he's in Wyoming. Wyoming um, is... He might be a bit thirsty. You don't know. Well, he didn't try for that reason. He's thirsty for the UFO. He's thirsty for the alien. Dr. Leo Sprinkle... Um, is a very interesting little guy. If you if you Google search Dr. Leo Sprinkle, you will come up with a picture of him, and you will see that he is um, he's ex- almost exactly what you picture. I don't know what I pictured, to be honest with you. You know, I didn't either, and yet I said, it fits. Yeah. You're like, whatever <laughs> I see, I'm going to be like, yep. Basically, he's a bald, big, thick glasses and a big, thick mustache. Mm. Yeah. Kind of spindly. Mm. So the women that Actually, know, I was thinking of the dude off of Community, the, the principal off of Community. That's what I was thinking. The dean. You don't know who I'm talking I'm about. Not, but I'm that's exactly right. what I was thinking, and it matches exactly what you just said. Fun. Minus the mustache, but still. Boy, he's, he's got a mustache. Leo does. Well, Back in the day, Mr. he on memoirs and being, yep. Dr. Sprinkle, man. So Dr. Sprinkle, uh, the women didn't know him. They, didn't, they had never heard of Dr. Sprinkle like this they had J. Allen Heineck. They didn't trust him. They did not trust him at first. But then they no, heard... No, a dude that come from Wyoming to Kentucky, I'd probably just be like, eh. <laughs> they uh, then Here's the whole... The women... I don't question their reputation. I do question their judgment slightly. Because, again, they did eventually just They went to dinner at 9 o'clock at night at, like, a Denny's or something. So, no, yeah, I, you judge your judgment on something. They're going to go get food poisoning at something out in Stanford because they're like, ah, yep. It is the only restaurant that was open at the time. Okay. But, which means they might be pretty busy. But So, they um, trust eventually trusted uh, Dr. Leo Sprinkle after they heard about his association with APRO. In particular, though, the association that they really liked was that they apparently really liked the story of Jim and Coral Lorenzen. Or is it Carol or Coral? Sorry. Loren- the I Lorenzen. Did, so it's a husband Carol. and wife team who had did regressive for. hypnosis for... Um, I'm blanking on the case, but it was another higher-profile UFO case. Yeah. Um, so they gave... The women, their like uh, nod of approval for Doctor Sprinkle. Mm-hmm. I love the name Doctor Sprinkle. Mm-hmm. Can I just take a second to just? It's like with the Shire of Flesh. That one doctor was Doctor Mead, and I always read it as Doctor Meat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. Yeah, let's just let's just leave it there. So Doctor Sprinkle uh, gets on the scene. And he begins the first session of the regressive hypnosis. Uh, this is Dr. Sprinkle, uh, Jerry Black, and Peggy Schnell. 
So they're both back on board right. again for this session. This session, there's not a, this session is um, kind of it's really just the tip of the iceberg to what happens later. Yeah. This session, the only woman to participate in this session is Mona. The other two at this time, while still suffering from a lot of symptoms, are still very wary of the whole situation and still they are actually a little apprehensive about being exploited. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mona says we gotta get this. She seems to be the most like obsessed with getting it out of her head what happened. So she thinks she journals it down, she's gonna get rid yeah, of it. Exactly. So she's been rational about yeah. it. Yeah. No, I mean I, I totally understand all three women's stance yeah. on this. Mona, um, here's the sad part about this first session. Mona did not get far into the retelling. I mean, she broke down completely into tears just once she started to describe the UFO. Hmm. That's as far as she made it, was just describing the UFO. Um, she drew pictures for them during mm-hmm. this session. Um, they also showed her pictures, which furthered her... Uh, how riled up she got over yeah. this. It furthered that, the pictures that they showed her from other cases and other things. And again, though, I do want to let it, I do want to be clear as well on this, is that Jerry Black and Peggy Schnell and Dr. Sprinkle, none of them had said the word alien up to this point. But she got riled up seeing other pictures. But she got riled up seeing other UFOs, pictures of other UFOs, depicting other and you said all the women are separate at this point in terms of they're all there in the session, but Mona's the only one who's who's going through the process. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Um, and when at this time though, and so up to this point, no mention of UF what aliens, UFOs, like you know, that's what you've been seeing. Like that, you know, mm-hmm. there's no talk of that. However, there are other people, there's like attendants with Dr. Black, or I mean sorry, Jerry Black. He's not a doctor. There's like attendants with him and stuff. Um, other people would move on, mm-hmm. and Doctor uh, Sprinkle made sure to you have said no. Doctor Mufon, Doctor Doctor Sprinkle made sure to even announce to people because she said, "I can't." I, you know, she's just breaking down into tears. She can't yeah. move on. She made or he made sure to tell everyone in the room she is still in a hypnotic state. You need to give her some space, and mm-hmm. you need to give her. Well, then they started telling her, they started saying the word alien then. And that probably messed with her head a good bit. Yes. Yep. Um, that really that really did her in. Uh, really did. She did, however, say that one of the images they were showing her did look like uh, the type of light that she saw. Mm-hmm. Um, she said that the light seemed to kind of be reflecting like a silhouette of a head. And that's what really struck her. That's what really got her terrified at this time, is that she distinctly, she was pointing at one picture saying, that's what I saw. And it's like so the silhouette of a head. that red light as a head. No. She's remembering seeing a head silhouetted in that light. Oh, okay. Like in Bad the craft. Like, deal. I get you. Like, right, yeah, right. in the craft or at the end of that road. Okay. okay. Seeing a, a, like a head silhouetted. A large head. But still, the images, what her own memories are still in a total fog at this point. Um, and, she, and she just can't get past it. 
And this is then all that comes out of the first session. They decide she comes out of the hypnotic state. Uh, they decide to not proceed any further. The other two uh, women did not want to proceed further in this at this time. Mm-hmm. Mona was because they were freaked out by Mona's reaction. Yeah. At this point, because they were like, "Sure, let's let Mona." You know, well, it's be probably like, any time they've ever seen anything like that in terms of yeah. kind of therapy. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I mean, because yeah, yeah, we're talking Liberty, Kentucky. They don't go through hypnosis. They, Mental health is just now being aware now. Back in right, the, it's still not good now. Yeah, people didn't <laughs> think people didn't think nothing of it back then. That's the reason they called it shell shock up until you know. Yeah, true. So investigators, um, they said that they didn't have funds. Um, they also wanted to respect to the women and give them some more time to deal with all of the fatigue, weight loss, uh, pain. You know, just everything else. Mm-hmm. So they took a lot months to follow back up after the first session with the investigator. And the story kind of got uh, toned down a bit, you know, like the the, the hubbub around it. tampered it, down a it bit because it wasn't, it wasn't live. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So as things, though, are starting to look a little... Um, Chill. Calm. Chill, yeah. 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 Uh, and the women are starting to kind of come back a little bit still processing mm-hmm. Jerry Black decides he's going to strike up a deal with the National Enquirer of all publications he goes with the National Enquirer and he says that if he can get these women to agree to it they will have exclusive rights to this story well, at least he went with the National Enquirer not the Trimble County Banner because you can <laughs> at least find the National Enquirer now <laughs> strikingly it's hard still even the National Enquirer, it is incredibly difficult. The actual thing that I could find the best r- source from this exact time frame is actually the APRO Bulletin. Hmm. Yeah, it's from APRO that I was able to find the best source of information about the, what's about to happen next. Even the National Enquirer pulls stuff down at the time, I guess. Seems that way. Or they make you go through a paywall. <laughs> So the the thing, though, I will say about the National Enquirer that was really uh, beneficial, but also does kind of, I don't want to say um, ruins or, well, that's definitely too dramatic, but if it hurts the credibility of the women, is that Jerry Black did negotiate for the women to get compensated. Mm-hmm. By the National Enquirer to have exclusive oh, for rights. Their stories, yeah. yeah, exclusive mm-hmm. rights to this story. So, you know, that's kind of problematic because then you're seeing that the women are benefiting. Yeah. But up to this point, the women have not benefited from this at They're all. They're benefiting financially. Mentally, it's probably a. Oh, it's taxing. Big, yeah. And their financial benefit really didn't amount to nothing. That much. It basically gets them a lunch at the Denny's <laughs> at Redwood's restaurant. Outside of Stanford, and they're going back to Redwoods after this point, you know. He's like, We ain't going back here. That ham was funny, something was funny. <laughs> it was probably the ham. I still don't think that the ham or any other food could have led to them having a full on UFO alien event. They could have had a spam lamb. I don't think spam does this to you. Get on down the road with it. I'm listening. <laughs> 
So they decided, the women decided that they would uh, go along with Jerry Black and the National Enquirer's um, deal to have regressive hypnosis with the National Enquirer being the... Present. Yes, mm. present during this time. And all three women would do this. And keep in mind, though, this is months later. But they've already had the... So they've already had the first attempt with Mona. But it was just at one moment. Just it? Mona. Okay. Just Mona. So this one, though, the second attempt at a regressive hypnosis is still with um, Leo Sprinkle. It is still Dr. Leo Sprinkle and Jerry Black and Peggy Chanel are also present. Okay. So familiar faces are still going to be there. There are also, There is also just going to be a reporter from the National Enquirer. Just tagging along. Tagging along. Got it. He's okay. just observing. That's all he's doing. Mm-hmm. Which it's funny, though, that the National Enquirer basically bought exclusivity to this story, and then the APRO Bulletin was like, here's a story about it. <laughs> it's it's yeah. great, honestly. The second attempt was done at the Brown Motel in Liberty, Kentucky. The Brown Motel is now renamed, uh, I'm blanking on the name, but it is in Liberty. It's, it's still a functioning business. Yes, right when you drive into Liberty, if you're coming from Danville, and you go mm-hmm. down this long road that just takes you straight into Liberty, You'll see a Pizza Hut, and right behind that Pizza Hut's a motel. Gotcha. That's where this was done, the second attempt at the regressive hypnosis. Mm. And I said months had passed. At the Brown Motel, when these, when everyone gathered, and mm-hmm. I'll break down who all gathered, but the, it was done on July 23rd. The original event happened January 6th. Mm. So that is also another, you know, when you're it's starting to poke months. holes yeah, into yeah. the story... This is a good six months after the first event. It's enough time for them to put in stuff and then get stuff ingrained. And then, yeah. It, it is, a, yes. So that is, if you're talking problematic. But let's set the, here's the cast. Okay. You have Bob Pratt of the Inquirer. Mm-hmm. He's your observer from the Inquirer. The Inquirer. You have Dr. Leo Sprinkle. You have Jerry Black. Uh, actually, I'm not sure if Peggy Schnell was there, but I would assume she was since she was at the first attempt. Mm-hmm. Um, you also had, and this is a big part of this, you had Detective James Young from Lexington PD. Not Liberty, not Danville, not Stanford, Lexington. Mm-hmm. A major city sent a, a detective, not a, just a traffic cop, I'm talking detective. Sent a detective who has polygraph experience. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole reason they sent him is to polygraph test these women. And he did. Which, by the way, I don't think I ever mentioned uh, Luis and uh, Elaine's ages. Because Mona's 36. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luis, I believe, is 41. And Elaine, I want to say, is older than everyone else. I want to say she's 46, 48. Hmm. Something like that. So that's another reason why the the credibility factor, the respectability factor from the community. Because yes, they were seen from this on, you know, from this point on as odd, but they were never condemned the way you see some other cases. So of you're saying just because they was up in their forties that well, I mean, they were more back into them. Yeah, because I mean, there were respected women that had absolutely zero instances of anything odd before this moment. In time, and so they're well established. Again, they're from the community. All three of them are from the, you know, Casey County. Mm-hmm. They all lived. They're almost, you know, all basically forty years of age in Casey County. 
that's a small community, even if you are from different little haulers and different little, you know, back roads. It's still a small, tight-knit community for the most part. You see each other when you just go to, you know, the market. So, these women are known throughout the county. All right. And I know that. I know that these women are known based on some information I have on, you know, anecdotal information. Again, I don't want to give away any personal information, but I, someone very close to me has insider knowledge of this scene and they were not seen as complete wackos, basically, like you see in a lot of other cases. Um, so they're at the Brown Motel. We start off this session with uh, James Young, Detective James Young of Lexington PD. He had each woman run through a lie detector. That's the first thing they did in this one. And the interesting thing here is Leo Sprinkle. Yeah. Again, he was really eager to get onto a UFO case. Uh, Jerry Black, who is move on. But most interestingly, James Young all come away with that these women are believe they believe they are telling the truth. To reiterate, James Young's a detective from detective. LPD. Okay. Lexington PD. Yep. Lexington right, PD. Right, right. And he is a you know, he's the closest to Central Kentucky has to an expert at polygraph testing. Okay. So he comes away saying these women are credible. But a very key thing for James Young as well. The APRO Bulletin made sure to uh, highlight this, which I do think it's appropriate to, is that he is a total skeptic. Mm-hmm. He I, actually, I remember you telling me about yeah, this he, part. He he was just like, I, I know. Yeah, he I went know. in saying this is total BS, but I guess I'll, I'll do it because you know, they're, well, they're telling me I need to do his it. Job, so like, yeah, he's he, like, know, he knows the system. He knows yeah, the he's, equipment. And so, yeah. Right, he's saying I don't believe them, but I'll do my job. But but then on to the bring other it side, back of it, to what we're saying, he don't believe them, but he believes that they believe what they're saying because that's what a polygraph says. You don't yes. say whether what is dead truth. It what says whether or not you believe what you were saying. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So they again they they think they are telling the truth. They really believe that whatever's happened now. That's, again, it's been six months, mm-hmm. so you're looking at it saying, because maybe, like, it did, they did really kind of egg on each other, in a way. And so, you know, the skeptic in me is looking at it saying, is this one of those cases... It was of, an echo chamber to begin with, and yes. then it just kept moving on past that. Yeah, right? what is that called? Where you join up, like, a linked psychosis... That is like can even be hallucinations. Again, that word we don't want to say hysteria. It's... No, there's an actual term for it. It's French. Um, I can't recall at the moment, but there is an actual term for that. And essentially, what it is is just that a person can share a complete, like hypnotic state almost. And those two people, or those three people, it's usually a very small group. Uh, it's like a lot of small cults kind of fall into this. Is that for them? It is the truth. Like they actually all because oh, they just, yeah, because you it like I said, echo chamber. It's the one thing. It's coming back in your head, and you circle jerking it back and forth around, yes. and it's just it's what it is. Yes. So yeah, there can be some of that, but for what we have right now, yeah, 
they tested very well. So, they actually took a day off. Or, I mean, not really a day off, but they took the rest of the day off. Mm-hmm. They decided, um, you know, we'll, we'll rest. The next day, all three women, all three, took part in two separate sessions of hypnosis. And in this hypnosis, they really began to reveal... Like, this is the the nitty-gritty. This is the juicy bits that these MUFON guys and everybody else has just been just salivating to get. They, and they hadn't set it up until this point. No. Okay. This, they actually... Did they say it to each other, or they just hadn't told nobody else about it? Well, it's... That's debatable. Okay. That's debatable. Move on, then. So, they all three start to open up about... And each... They are partaking in separate... Interviews mm-hmm. and these are two separate interviews. So every, all of this next information is coming from. They're all separated from each other, and it's taking place over two different ones. Sometimes getting the same questions back to make sure you know they're keeping them in sterile environments as they tell their stories. Yes. I understand it is actually being handled quite professionally. Yeah, like surprisingly so, because you had the likes of BD and now this. You know, it is actually. They got a legit setup in a way, except that there is MUFON. <laughs> and they are doing regressive hypnosis. MUFON's MUFON. So, I mean, you, you can knock it if you want to, but it, it, they they actually decided to spend the time and get a website. So, I mean, they're they're working. Of course, I guess it's the 70s and 80s. Is that the bar we're setting? Is that you took the time to get a website? I could get a website. Yes, but... It still ain't a dude with his own Facebook page and a blog. It's it's a group of it is it's a group, a group of no, it is a group and they, these, on, on it is a group of enth- enthusiastic people. Exactly, I will say that. I'm sorry if I anger the move on people because they swarm. Come at me, bro. Don't invite that. No, do I'm not sorry. invite that. They have a wrath. Again, this story is... We're going to get doxxed by MUFON now. No, this story is pretty credible. Again, I mean, like, it is one of the hardest to condemn I wasn't hitting up the story. I was hitting up MUFON. (laughs) I know, but I'm just saying for all those people who are going to... Come at me swinging your lanyard. (laughs) Let's not. Anyways. The... Went into great detail about the abduction itself as far as I mean this they get into honestly this is a very brutal abduction story yeah it becomes now from here on out wee, this wee, is wee, 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 NSFW W well I mean it's not like grotesque but it is just like when you actually let you're it sink now's in when, you're, you're saying now when shit get real and, yes yeah. and if you let it really like the information if you take them at face value that they actually believe this happened to them so then even at the very least in their reality they went through this pain yeah you really let that sink in and you're, it is actually like I mean shit can fuck with you wow. whether it's real or not so true I mean, and this is yeah this is uh, some heavy stuff here for them so, um, Mona started to recall how she had a, um, the experience with her eye. It became, that started to come out. That she they actually, they specifically, has this feeling that it is being pulled out of her, out of her face. I guess I should back up just a second here, though, because... I was going to say, that come out of nowhere. I, go back yeah. years, I was like, I don't want to hear nothing about no eye. This is all again. coming out of nowhere. Like, really, honestly, this stuff is, like, it gets wild. They, okay, so all of them, though, 
describe uh, themselves like kind of the situation that they're in. Mona was laying, was in a chair. Okay. But like a surgical chair. Okay. That's what she actually described it. Surgical chair-esque. So like some type, type thing where you back up. Right. Yeah. So, yes, she could have been like laying down, but probably like at an angle and, you know, and could have been more safe. She's reclined. All of them describe still being like being, feeling like definitely oh, drugged. Is, they are not fully conscious. This is during the UFO, the abduction part of it. Not this is they are in a craft. Okay. See, I, when you first started the sentence, I was like, this is their hypnosis thing. I was like, why are they getting in this? No, 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 no. You're talking about when no, I got this pulled is, up. This is what they recall okay. being abducted. This is the abduction, full abduction experience from here on out. Mona is in a chair, surgical type of chair. Think orthodontist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, type of deal. Elaine has probably, has definitely actually the most interesting of circumstances because she is in a capsule. All right. And that's how she describes it, as a capsule. Yeah. And there is a um, device around her neck, similar to like a noose, that every single time that she tries to speak, it tightens and causes pain. And every single time... She even thinks, tries to like get out a full like, trying to ras- rationalize what is happening. It tightened on her neck. Oh, anytime she okay. So anytime she tried to have any sort of constructive any you know just to get that mind back to working, it you. would tighten on her neck. So basically, she was left in just this state of just being. Yeah, she just had to be a vegetable and just keep on moving. Yeah. Yes. Luis was just. She said she was just laying on a table, just a straight up table. That's two of them. One's in the capsule, one's on the table, the other's in the chair. In the chair. Right. Yeah. Surgical type chair um, where it could be, you know, changed how it p- positioning. Uh, but Luis is just on the table. Okay. Where it's just a sturdy cha- table. Mona and Elaine recall having a warm liquid at this time as well. Like, that's the first thing that happened to them. That's what I was going to ask if she's up in that caspel, <laughs> cap, cap, capsule. Capsule. Yeah. Capsule. Capsule. So is, yeah, she, is she floating in something? She's or she not just floating in something, but something just like is coats her from head to toe. Oh, okay, gotcha. Well, it's being actually, well, I mean, it's being poured separately. Actually, they describe it as being poured separately, like on their face and on their body. Okay. So well, I mean, it makes sense for the one in the capsule because she's talking about when she's thinking it's pulling. So there yeah. must be something. But this one in the chair, which and again she's describing as I just kind of stated, she's. Ex- Describing like uh, like her eye is also being is being pulled out. This like right after the warm liquid, yeah. And this eye being this eye issue with her, it's um. There are some things in this story that come after this that really you think about in a constructive, trying to be constructive way, and actually just taking it like and dissecting what they're saying, mm-hmm. and like in a totally objective mind is actually um. It's odd. It makes you really think. So, they, although this is when you're going to be like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Okay. Finally. We get to small, tiny, little gray men. And that is exactly where we go. So, short grays are in this now. Okay. I was wondering what species they were going to come in. All three describe seeing small, around four feet tall, as Elaine said. Uh, Figures. They just have figures. Um, A couple... Elaine really honed in. Elaine had been kind of quiet, the quiet one throughout mm-hmm. most of this. 
But then at this point, she really, really is a dominant voice in describing the aliens themselves. She's the one, though, that is um, with the noose. So she is at this point in time basically just limp observing. Because she can't do much. And she she sees little gray men around her capsule. Or little gray figures, I shouldn't say men. So they are... You don't know how they identify. (laughs) I really don't. They might not know what... uh, I mean, they could all be the exact same thing at birth. Yeah. I have no idea. Androgynous. I mean, they're aliens. I have no idea. Uh, One interesting thing about them, uh, I think it was Mona said that they actually appeared like they were in um, surgical gear. Like they were all in class. So they, they were all, all in like scrubs white. and stuff. Yeah, like not scrubs. Being not like, scrubs. <laughs> Bunch of Alan Alders at about four foot tall running around being like. <laughs> not scrubs and masks per se, but just like she said, they were dressed in white and it just appeared to be some sort of surgical gear. Like it's off, but she can be like. I see what they're getting at there. All right. She, she, out of context, she knew what was going on. Yes. Probably them, probably putting on some sort of glove apparatus, you know, using some sort of, they were using tools and things like that. Elaine also, she really honed in also as on, and I know I'm kind of bouncing around and I apologize for that, but this story gets just my mind. Just, it's, it's weird. Just keep moving. Elaine said that the eyes were very, like, disturbing. Um, She said they were like a turtle and that they had a membrane that would, you know, kind of... Yeah, so when they were black, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And uh, Elaine, I don't think the other two said that they were great, but Elaine did. But, I mean, she's in a pod, so, I mean, her colors probably get messed up anyway. She couldn't tell me. That's true. That is true. You don't know, like, yeah, what they're... Yeah. yeah. So, that is true. Good point. Um, at, During this time, they, I mean, they are just... At this point, it's just a fountain. You know, whereas, like, before Mona just broke down, I just even mentioned the oh, UFO. Oh, them crying. Or, the, or yeah, no, them pouring the, out them information. Pouring out information. I got really confused Sorry, with yeah. the fountain. I was like, yeah. uh, <laughs> where did this go? <laughs> no. Although it does go to some weird places. Just keep moving, please. Okay. Mona with the eye. Again, she felt like it was being pulled out. Yeah. And she felt like it was like, you know, they had like an, a tool that was like working on her eye. She then described seeing like around her. Her surroundings. I yes, okay. which you connect those two dots together and it's like you can reach some very disturbing things where she was possibly seeing things around her while her eye was still somehow attached to her. Okay, just keep moving. Please. Yeah. So she was seeing around the room and around the around them she actually described this is when she's claimed that they were in like kind of white what she would call surgical gears yeah. she got a good look St- at them. they're in sterile conditions yeah yes um she actually described seeing uh, Luis on a table or what she she said actually it can be conjectured that's Luis her actual quote about this is that she saw a woman who had a lot of white figures around her laying, uh, and she was spread out mm-hmm. like she was laying down. But she also described her chair as being adjust, you know, as being like a surgical chair where it's adjustable. 
So, and she actually did say she thinks it's Luis, but it could have been herself. And... Well, I guess that uh, an optical nerve must be extendable up to a certain point, and she'd been... Mm. There's, yeah. And... She describes um, that there was, at this time when she saw that person, they were surrounded by these figures, all doing different things. Okay. Like, it was a, it was a, not like, you know, a ton of them, but it was a good amount of them who were like, like a pit crew at a busy NASCAR race. <laughs> they were just really working at it. Ever industrious. All right, what's up? And okay, so she also describes this is the weird, probably one that just the I can't really exactly figure out exactly what she's describing. Is she said she saw it through like a tunnel, mm-hmm. but she went beyond that. She said it described she described it basically being like inside of a volcano or like inside of a mountainside where she's looking out into like I guess I think she's getting at maybe like a cave. <laughs> really honestly so she's in a room with a view basically and she okay and it looks like she's looking out to like i guess mountains or a volcano all right yeah or i see i can't figure out exactly if it's like if she's looking out a window and it's looking out towards something like that or if it's looking out and she sees like the jagged kind of what looks like a rock or you know or they just projected something and be like this will be coming for you they're just trying to chill the <laughs> fuck out and make her watch some Van Gogh paintings or something. Yeah. It is really, um, it's really, it's just so perplexing because, again, they're just spewing out information at this point and it's almost like, it's that weird, just like trance state is what they're in, is what mm-hmm. they described it, the, like, you know, James Young and all these other Jerry Black and all them, they described it as just them being just like in a trance state at this point, regurgitating this information. It's like they actually had prepared themselves to be like almost machines to just get it out. Yeah. Because that is one thing too. They were all reported as being by the other citizens stuff as being disturbed during this time frame in between the first session and the second. Like they did not ever get over it. In between this time, and they, and they never, and the yeah, they never, and yeah, their yeah. weight loss continued. Like it stayed. They weren't losing dramatically at this point, but they were like sticks and bones, yeah. you know. I get you. Um, uh, Mona also did. We we're talking about eyes. How Elaine had honed in on that real big with the turtle. Mona also honed in on that a lot. Mm. Mona. Um, actually, of course, I mean, she's feeling her own eye, so it makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> she, um, described, and this is like when it gets Lord of the Rings, okay? I'm, I'm calling a Sauron alert right now. A Sauron alert. Oh, okay. I, at first, yeah. I was like, this gets Lord of the Rings. This is getting Lord of the Rings. Just move on. No, Keep this going. is getting Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Mona felt like there was an eye. One singular eye that carefully watched her. And she describes the only feeling she has at being towards this eye and a distinct dread and that this eye is evil. Mm. And it is just glaring at her constantly throughout the whole process. She just happened to be lying underneath the security camera and it just keeps... There's a good... Yes. There's a good... Um, 
chance that that's what it was if in fact this is any of this has any amount of truth to it which is most likely not the case but <laughs> let's keep going mm-hmm. Elaine um, she kind of went on to describe her noose-esque experience as being an experiment to analyze she felt like she, they were they were watching to see how she would react to, uh, in like duress mm-hmm. because you know where it would it would tighten like that so she thought it was a psychological experiment she didn't really feel as much of the physical torment except for the noose i mean and the noose would tighten to a pain but not like a where it, it didn't leave a mark whereas mona's eye has been burning for months yeah you said it's red at some point right oh it's like a full-on extreme pink eye is what they're Conjunctivitis. The doctor, I mean, that's what it's extreme conjunctivitis. Yeah, yeah. That's what the doctor declares it as. Yeah. It's red. It there might be. I mean, it's just painful constantly. So, Elaine also described, um, and this kind of coincides with Mona on the evilness. She kind of describes as feeling like, of course, I mean, everything going around her. Of course, you're going to think it's evil. And then thinking about I mean, it. It's something you don't you want know, done to you. Yeah, that's right. the only way you can. So you know that. that her only... Because of how much torment she's had throughout this process, and she can't still ever really quite grasp the actual memory, mm-hmm. you know she's got to attach her own just natural feelings onto this throughout six months. So of course she's going to think anything that was attached... Doing, being done to her was going to be just straight evil. Yeah. You know, just wrong. Which it is. I mean... They call it what it is. They're performing some sort of surgery on these women. Uh, Elaine, so with all that being said, Elaine describes a uh, blackness. Just at some point in time, just kind of taking over. She's on the table, ain't she? No, Elaine's in the pod. Yes, okay, got you. All right. Louise is on the table. Yes. Mona's in the chair. Got it. All right. So they, all three... Wrapped it all up, basically, with... That's kind of the ending tone, honestly. Is one of just dread. Mm-hmm. Dark, dreary, evil, awful experience. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes this case, to me, like... Most UFO cases have a, a, a tinge of silliness to them. Yeah. This one doesn't. This makes you think they're hiding some other kind of trauma up and behind this, and that's how they're choosing to remember this stuff. And yeah. It's just like, man, you, man, that, like some meth dealer came out the road and got them and put them up in the back. And then, mm. Yeah. This one is dark. It just has a dark feeling to it, uh-huh. honestly. And it's, you know, considering that it's so close to home for me, too, it's kind of like, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a very interesting case. Uh, and, yeah, people around the area, though, it's just something people honestly just don't talk about and it really it's considering how um they have fit all of the pop culture you know what you would begin to see because i mean like this is like right before uh close encounters of the third kind was mm-hmm. made. it was steven spielberg which was a huge movie this was right before that and then you had et on the you know heels of that and stuff so you this was before the where like aliens became like pop culture things. This was when it was still like 
urban legend and like actual like reports from like the National yeah, Enquirer. Yeah, it's just on. Uh, and then you start to have the movies and things rolling out, like mainstream rolling out after this stuff. So mm-hmm. cases like this became the image, and this is one of the cases that did help shape that. It's the image. bone of the whole rest, everything else of it. Yeah, I mean, it is. There are earlier cases, but again, it's part. It's part of the original. Um, canon, if you will. Yeah. That's what it is. It's, the small grays, yeah. the flying saucer, you know, it's everything that you think of with UFO. The beaming light, um, the torture, the, you know, the full abduction. No one got Ainley probed. No. <laughs> there is none of that. Um, well, they didn't say they did, but I mean. Well, yeah. Um, which I think, considering everything else. I mean, said, shit, if someone's doing that to my eye, I ain't going to have much else idea what's going on with me. Yeah, exactly. And they, because, I mean, they're all going through a lot of pain. And Luis, though, I will say, did seem, she did seem quieter than the other two mm-hmm. throughout this. She um, didn't want to remember. She kept pushing it down. She's like, no, why are yeah, we talking about this? And, but then again, who knows what type of, she was laying out on that table, and who knows exactly what was going on with her. Exactly. But one thing with Louise, though, I do want to say, is that she actually felt, um, and she wanted, she took it fully upon herself. Um, Mona and Elaine did not go with her. Uh, Mona and Elaine, actually, from what I could really kind of glean, I guess, <laughs> from what you can tell, is that they kind of ignored that area again, like Highway 78. Mm-hmm. But they never really went through that highway ever like just out of sight out of mind type yeah. of deal and just Luis made a point to return to that site mm-hmm. she um, went to this site and this was actually I think the day be- the day after the uh, original the original yeah, yeah no the hypnosis oh okay yeah okay. at the Brown Motel I think it was just the day after this. Well, I mean, shit, they can't remember that eight miles. They go back and drive that eight miles and see if it triggers something, probably. That's what Louisa is supposed. She yeah. just felt this need to kind of go back there. So Luis uh, always wore, everybody, this is, you know, I guess, uh, accepted, substantiated thing. She always wore three rings. Um, they were three different types of rings. She always wore them. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, anytime that... Again, these are crafty ladies, you know. <laughs> and <laughs> Eagles, okay. Hey man, Eric Clapton came when we used to come back up the hill this way. So yeah, I mean yeah. She when she got to the site and she did she went through with it and everything, and she's in that sixty seven Chevy Nova. Mm-hmm. Which does have power stand. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Go buy one today. She heard a voice. She heard a voice. Just really let that sink in. Well, I'm listening to you. She heard a voice that said, look at your hands. Okay. She looked down at this moment. And it was like she was there for a little, just a moment of time. Like, just a little bit to kind of, like, orient herself to the area and be like, she got out of her car. And it was like, you know. I said, look at your hands. She looked down. All three rings that she was wearing that day, totally gone from her fingers. Just mm-hmm. gone. Not there. Zip. There she goes. I <laughs> thought you were going to tell me that was it. Now it's the end of the thing. And I was like, no. There's one last little detail about that. 
So that happened in July. Yeah. In July. In September, one random September day, she walked outside of her trailer where, you know, this said the kind of the whole thing had started. Mm-hmm. She walked outside and there was one of her three rings sitting right outside of her door. Right where she would see it when she opened her door. A little bit disturbing, but... Yes. Uh, now, Dr. Sprinkle, he had a conclusion to make. Oh, but forgot about him. Mr. Dr. Leo Sprinkle, at your service, how can you forget the professor of Wyoming? He's... I want to... I would love for him to just have been the preeminent psychological professor of Wyoming. Like, just the... He is like in Wyoming, like, oh, go talk he, to Sprinkle. He, he's on government documents and stuff. I just, would love it. It'd be funny. I mean, he is on this. His conclusion, his actual most logical conclusion, and again, let's be honest, he was so eager to jump on a UFO case. Mm-hmm. Once he heard about this case, and he was on it, even though he's in Wyoming in the 70s to Kentucky. He, his most logical conclusion is that, logical, is that it is an alien abduction. All right. Because they, during this process, convinced everyone, Detective James Young, including everyone, that they completely, completely, and utterly believed every single thing that happened. They, Dr. Sprinkle describes seeing the women racked with pain throughout the entire experience. So I did say they were kind of like robots. That's definitely not the truth. I redact that. They were con- they were the emotion, the fear, just the it was like gut-wrenching to the people in the room. Mm-hmm. The people in the room like were they felt an emotional just like hit watching these women discuss this. Yeah, they couldn't just sit back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was a it was a really a gut-wrenching process for everyone involved, including the detective. So, he said if it wasn't an alien, although this is kind of where he does conjecture a little much. He says if it's not an alien, then explain the witnesses all around the whole area. Mm-hmm. Casey County, Boyle County, Lincoln County. It's three counties that you had a lot of people. There was police reports coming in all three counties that night. How do you explain that, he says. Because that happens, and then they have this happen, and everybody believes that they think this happened, and they were just coming back from a restaurant, which they've ate at before. You know, there's nothing weird about this restaurant, although it is not existing anymore. I will say that. (laughs) I told you, it's at ham. But, so what is it, you know? It's at ham. (laughs) It's it's just the ham. I wish I knew what they ate. I wish I could tell you that you were dead wrong. <laughs> I just wish I could tell you that they didn't even have ham. That it couldn't have been ham. I just wish I could no, tell they you. They either ham or spam. What if they had chicken? There's chicken. What spam. if they had beef? What if they had a hamburger? And yeah, not a I spam mean, burger. At, no, I mean, they're going out of town for dinner. For a birthday. Yes. 
And they described a pleasant experience. They did describe a pleasant experience. Like they were there. They they took their time. They were there for like two hours. Okay, so they didn't. They took their time. They took their time. That's another thing. They were having a good night. Like everybody was having fun. Well, I don't know then. Everybody was having fun. It was a good night for these three women. You know, Mm -hmm. they're like, hey, because they didn't even know it was Mona's birthday until that night. Until she's like, I'm gonna go hang out with my sister. She's gonna give her a haircut. Because I, I think she like worked at a salon or something. She was going to give her a haircut for free at 9 o'clock. And they were like, let us take you out to dinner. Yeah. And you know, and they were like, how would you not tell us? And she's like, oh, you know. They were good women. You know, nothing weird about these women. I'll just conclude. Mm-hmm. This, I'll wrap this all up. Mona is the only living woman of the three. Or at least last I checked, I could not find an obituary for her. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, during COVID, I can't really get out to Casey County to really talk to anyone. Uh, Or actually, I would. I just want to say one last kind of sad detail is that uh, Luis and Elaine died not that long after all this happened. Just like the pet parakeet. I mean, drama does it. Poor pet parakeet. But I mean, drama does it. The parakeet was not alive by the time they did the second session. Well, it got pissed and was screaming at that woman all the time. I think it's probably burned her heart out. Yeah. 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 I really do hate that because that seems nice. But... Uh, Mona insists to this day, as far as I know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that in her last known interview, let's say, that this happened exactly as they told it, their second session and the first, you know, exactly as every single step of the way, none of their stories changed ever throughout any of the years. Even as Luis and Elaine, which they were both alive for another at least two years. Mm Mm-hmm. For as long as they were alive, no one backed down. No one changed the story, even one tiny little bit. Well, it's like you said, they believed what they believed, and they, I mean, if all the guys showed it, exactly. And so, you can believe it as an actual alien abduction. Uh, You can believe it as a shared hypnosis uh, and traumatic, or it could be a shared traumatic of human event that they have twisted into being a alien abduction. And then you get an appointment and it's three different people calling up the same thing. Man. But then there's all these witnesses. So you yeah. have that's where the alien people... And so the, the, the most known fact about this case is that all three women did go through something very, very traumatic. While UFO stories are usually... Goofy, uh, kind of fun time, which I mean, this one still has, you know, it has the fun stuff. It, it has the grades, you know, it has you it, know, some of the stuff that was like rock There's something a little bit more jarring about this one compared to other things. Yeah. It's, it's a bit, I, I don't want to use the word a bit more real, but there's a bit, it's like you said that Sprinkle fella felt emotion when them women were talking, and he's probably one of them men that don't know how to. If you would see get his. That. I know he, I'm pot calling a kettle black, but. He, if he noticed emotion and had a little bit of empathy for shit going on in the room, you know it was probably a bit more. I mean, it was real. But yeah. What I'm yeah. To say is yes. They, they they knew what they was going through and they said it. At the very least, these women believed it to be real. Exactly. At the very least, and they and Mona still does, even without the other two. You know, that's another thing, and and even without her own family support. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean they did. You know they didn't want to talk about. It. They don't want to ever hear it brought up. And that's basically what the people in the county do. It's just they don't bring it up. No. 
by the way, I did want to just mention, and I'm gonna uh, lighten the lighten the mood here just for a second. Yeah, I was gonna say we get all existential Bef- <laughs> in the bottom end of this, and then before we uh, part ways with our dear listeners, I did just want to let you know that there is a headline out there on the internet when you start looking up Kentucky UFOs. It's just called "15 Times, 15 Times That Aliens Have Definitely Visited Kentucky." And I just want everyone to just go and peruse that site for just a second because, wow, what a misleading... I'll have to go find it. We love bourbon. <laughs> They've definitely, 15 times. I mean, yeah, everywhere else in America, they talk about getting cattle and doing stuff to cattle. You know them poor horses up there. In, what are you saying? In Georgetown and stuff, and poor aliens come down, them horses being like, no, nay, nay. Are you saying the horses are getting probed? I'm saying everywhere else it's all about cattle and whatnot. And around here, these what is the cattle thing? Do they probe cattle the... mutilation? Yeah, but they don't probe the cattle. They you just they mis- destroy them. Misremember? Don't they just thing. destroy them? No, they pull them out from the insides out or whatever. Don't they? Oh yeah, okay. Skinwalker wow. Ranch type deal. Yeah, aliens messed up sometimes. If if everything that's been said about aliens is true, they're real uh they're real dicks. Yeah. <laughs> but I would like them to be peaceful. I'm one of those guys that if there are aliens out there, please be peaceful. I want to be friends with you. Like I'd like to go see your planet. What's it about? You know? Yeah. Don't don't be But don't if they're smart, they're gonna stay back on and wait, because you know it's that we'd probably ruin it. Yeah, they're, they're they're probably just like, nope. <laughs> We'd probably get on no out of it. They they show us their planet, and we're like, how can we mine this? And they're like, we're actually, we have figured out ways to fuel energy without depleting anything. We're like, yeah. I see coal potential. Exactly. (laughs) Tap oil and ruin everything. (laughs) Yeah, that's our political stand for the night. And uh, that will wrap us up. Thank you for listening from ourselves to you. Have a good night, everybody. Such a way, and my trembling.